0: Hello my friend, I'm John Carter. Welcome today to the Carter Report. Our topic today is the biggest hoax in all the world. I have a special guest today, Dr. Faz Rana from Reasons to Believe. Dr. Rana is a great scientist, and today we're going to look at the evidence for and against the theory of evolution. Welcome today to the Carter Report. Hi, I'm John Carter. My wife Beverly and I were watching television the other night watching the news, American news. They told us that the church in North America is actually shrinking. They said that atheism is the fastest growing religious movement today in North America. And people are saying, what on earth can we do to save the church? Well, of course, Christ died for the church. He saved the church. But what they mean is, How can we keep the church as a vibrant force in the world today, in Australia, in America, and in Europe, and in the rest of the world? Let me tell you a little story. John Wesley was one of the greatest preachers that the English-speaking world has ever heard. John Wesley came upon the scene of of the church in England a few hundred years ago when the church was dying. Like the church today, it was a shrinking church, but the people in the church were in a state of denial. They refused to accept the reality that the church was dying. John Wesley did something that uh, other people said couldn't be done. He revived the church through public evangelism. Did you hear that? He started to preach Christ. He preached the Bible and he preached out of doors and indoors. And the church was saved. Not only did he save a lot of souls, the souls of sinners, he saved the souls of the saints. Please join me, my friend, in evangelism. It's what Jesus did. Write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box, 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, in Australia. Write to me at the address on the screen at Terrigal in New South Wales. Join me, my friend, in preaching Christ. Join me in public evangelism around the world. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Welcome back to the Carter Report. Today we're talking about the evolutionary theory of Darwin that we consider to be the world's greatest hoax. My guest today is Dr. Fazrana, Vice President of Reasons to Believe. He and Dr. Hugh Ross co authored the books Origins of of life, and also who was Adam. After reading these books, Nobel Prize-winning chemist Dr. Richard Smalley said, evolution has been dealt its death blow. After reading Origins of Life with my background in chemistry and physics, it is clear evolution could not have occurred. We're glad that you're on our program today.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Pastor Carter.
0: And uh, Dr. Runner, it is our honor to have you with us today, and we want to thank you for joining us. We're going to get right into the matter, and we're going to jump into what some would say is a difficult subject when you talk about evolution, because people, people tell us evolution is a proven scientific fact, and they use junk DNA. What is junk DNA?
1: Well, um, when the human genome was sequenced, this would have been 2000, 2001, what was discovered at that time was that most of the genome didn't code for any kind of useful products. And so the thought was that this was all junk. Hmm. And so the idea was 95% of the human genome is made up of garbage DNA that just is an evolutionary vestige. And in fact, when you look at humans and chimps and, and, and gorillas There's these shared junk DNA sequences, and everybody argued this is evidence for an evolutionary history for humanity, evidence for common descent.
0: Because why would God put this stuff in there?
1: It's no good. Exactly. But in the last few years, there's been a radical revision in terms of how we understand the human genome. We now know that virtually all of the DNA in the human genome is actually functional. Only a small fraction of it codes for useful protein products. The rest of it is basically functioning as the control system, telling the cell when to make certain proteins and when not to make proteins and how much to make them. And this is critical for uh, the development of the human being from a, a small egg to a fully formed individual. So what we're looking at here is an incredibly elegantly designed system uh, that is far beyond anybody's imagination in terms of its complexity and, and, so the, and elegance.
0: the DNA is
1: full of information? It's loaded with information. How much
0: information in a bit of DNA?
1: 3.2 billion genetic letters. Uh, and that's in each cell in our body.
0: Now, I want to get this clear. I, I was told there were 3.2 billion genetic letters. But this is in each cell
1: each in cell the body? And there's about a trillion cells in our body. Now, each cell has a, the same, uh, yeah. same 3.2 billion genetic letters, at least the first approximation. And so you've got
0: these little letters in the right sequence inside the cell. Yes. That you can't see with the naked eye. That's right, you can't see it with the naked eye.
1: And in fact, I've seen the entire human genome printed out in book form, and it literally uh, is a, like a set of encyclopedias that goes from the floor to a ceiling about 15 feet high. And, and it's just volume after volume after volume now, 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 of, now, of, of letters. Now, now,
0: remember, you're dealing here with a novice. I'm, I, I don't know much about this. That's why we got you on the show. Tell me this about the library again.
1: Well, the, the information in, one cell, if you, in if, one cell, if you simply typed out the genetic code, uh-huh. the, those 3.2 billion letters, it looks like a volume of encyclopedias where each volume would correspond to one of the 23 chromosomes in the human body. Or in the human cells.
0: And this happened by itself?
1: Well, uh, that's what evolutionary this biologists... Came, this
0: came from nothing.
1: That's what evolutionary biologists... That Darwin say.
0: didn't know what you're telling me today. No, he didn't know that. He, he thought the cell was a bit of blob, just a bit right, of a, nothing. Right, a,
1: a protoplasm, of, yeah. a, a bit of jelly.
0: Somebody told me now that if you took the information that is in one cell, it could, it, you need I think it was 1,500 books each of a thousand pages. Yeah, that sounds right. Now there's, there's the library. But I thought that meant the whole... I, when I read it, I had an idea this is the whole body. But this is one cell in the body. This is one cell in the body,
1: exactly. Exactly. And I actually saw, again, the human genome printed out, and there were... Uh, it was just volume after volume after volume, and the, the bookshelf went from the floor to a ceiling 15 feet high, Jammed with books, and oh. I, I pulled one out and I looked mm. at it, and the print was so small, tiny print. I could barely read it.
0: And it's digital information, isn't it's, it? It's digital it's information. It's not analog. It's it, digital.
1: It's just again, it's like a co- the information in a computer system. It's digitized.
0: Have you thought about this, Doctor? Uh, John chapter one and verse one says, "In the beginning was the Word." Yes. Now the Word has the connotation of information. So in the very beginning the information came. Yeah. And that gave way to the universe and the human race. But the evolutionist says, in the beginning, there was nothing. Much ado about nothing. In the beginning, there was nothing, and there was confusion and randomness and everything by chance, and it gave birth to the cell. You've got to have a lot of faith to be an atheist or an evolutionist.
1: Yeah, you sure do. And to think about, you know, John one. 1. Mm. Uh, it's interesting because in our experience, information always comes from a mind. Anytime we encounter information, we recognize that it's the work of a mind. Yes, we do. And it's provocative to think that at its essence, biochemistry is information.
0: Most it's, people don't know this.
1: They're information systems. And, you know, as I mentioned in the previous episode, the way in which the cell's machinery manipulates that information uh, is similar to how a computer system functions. And people have used that insight to build, literally, computers using DNA in the cell's machinery. This is called DNA computing.
0: Uh, And tell me about this, DNA computing. Explain this to me.
1: Well, the idea is that because DNA is information and because it's digital information, just like which which is found in a computer system, Mm. you can manipulate that digital information and do all kinds of complex tasks. And the cell basically does the same thing. And the way in which it does that is fundamentally uh... how a computer system operates at its most basic level and again in exploiting that idea there are now te- nanotechnologists that are building computer systems out of dna and and these are more powerful the systems that they're building are more powerful than the most powerful supercomputer system that we're aware of or, or you have uh, information theorists who uh... study problems in molecular biology who've concluded that the way in which the information in the cell is structured is identical to human language
0: this is all quite amazing
1: and so it's not just merely the presence of information but it's how it's structured how it's handled by the cell it's identical to how we structure and handle information and that to me suggests not only a work of a mind but it says there's something about the way that we think that is in resonance with how that creator thinks and of course scripture tells us that we're made in god's image Mm. And if we're made in God's image, we're many creators. And doesn't it make sense to think that what we would do would somehow echo what the creator has done when he is created? And so to me, it's not just merely this is evidence for intelligent design. But when we think about it, it really points to the fact that we are made in God's image and we have this connection to the creator in some way.
0: You know, if I go down to the beach, well, not just the beach, say if I'm out in the desert. A lot of sand, like at the beach. And I, I'm dying of thirst. And I come along and I see written in the sand, 100 yards to water, and it has an arrow pointing. I think I could logically assume that the letters are an indication of a mind that wrote it down. Exactly. But the atheistic evolutionist looks at the writing in the sand. And he says, it came from nowhere, and it happened by blind chance. And man is the product of time plus matter plus chance that we believe is the greatest hoax in all the world. Now, I want to ask you this question, and I'm I'm enjoying this. This is quite amazing, and we're running out of time for this segment, so we'll have to go through this fast. Is man genetically different to an animal, say a chimp? What makes mankind distinct?
1: Well, we are built out of the same building blocks as a chimp, uh, but I look at that as evidence for common design. Designers will use the same materials and make very different designs with them. But have
0: we got cells like the chimp?
1: Yeah, we we are genetically similar to chimps. We're biochemically similar. We've got the
0: DNA and all that stuff. Yeah,
1: we're anatomically similar. We're physiologically similar. But I look at that as evidence for common design, not common descent. And we do stand apart from chimps in radical ways, and a lot of it has to do with the way our brain is structured and the way that our brain operates. Mm. And in terms of what's called gene expression, we're radically different than chimps when it comes to our brains.
0: Because we were made in the image of God. Exactly. Yeah, we're not, we're not uh, descended or related to the chimps because man is a new and distinct creation from the hand of God and therefore we believe uh, Dr. Faz, that every person is distinct and glorious and every person is important and we believe that life is full of meaning. We believe that because we came from the hand of God one day we shall go back to the hand of God. You're watching the Carter Report. My guest is Dr. Faz Rana from Reasons to Believe. Just stay with us my friend because we're going to be back with you after this brief message stay with us god has his time and his place for everything and the time and the place now is latin america including cuba time magazine talks about the second protestant reformation and describes how hundreds of thousands, even millions of Latinos are coming to the gospel of Christ. I'm not an armchair theologian. I'm speaking according to experience. I've seen it with my own eyes. Recently, we went down to El Salvador. There I spoke in the largest football stadium in Central America, with the biggest crowd that that football stadium had ever, ever seen. They came not to see a football match, but to hear about the blood of Christ. Millions are coming to a knowledge of God in Latin America. Doors are opening in Cuba. Who knows? We may be going to Cuba soon, as the doors open by the grace of God We are going to step through those doors, and we want you to step through those doors with us and be part of our team for such a time as this. Please write to me, friend. Don't put it off. Write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358 in Australia. Write to me at Terrigal, New South Wales. Be part of the second Reformation. Join us and see the miracles of God. Amen. Hello friend, I'm John Carter. Welcome back today to the Carter Report. We are talking today about the greatest hoax in all the world. And my special guest is Dr. Rana from Reasons to Believe. Welcome back, Doctor. Thank you for having me, Pastor Carter. Glad to have you here. Now, we're talking today about ideas that influence millions, perhaps billions, our families, our children. Tell me about your family.
1: Well, I've been married almost 29 years, and it's Mm. amazing to me that my wife was able to put up with me for 29 years. (laughs) But we have... uh, (laughs) Five kids, uh, three, Five children. three biological, two that we um, adopted, and right. they're all grown up, and they're out of the house, and we're empty nesters now, and they're, they're figuring out how to make their own way in life, yeah. and uh, one of our daughters is married, and one will be married this summer, so we, we've got a, a, a full family.
0: And you're a happy man. I'm very happy. I can tell. You've got a happy face. <laughs> I'm going to read you this statement. Atheistic evolution is a theory that has devastated the human race. I want you to comment on this in a moment. Darwin, without intending to, abolished God. The death of God always leads to the death of man. This is important, philosophically. Karl Marx seized on Darwinism. Friedrich Nietzsche gladly accepted evolution and the concept of the survival of the fittest. Hitler worshipped Nietzsche and he slept with a copy of Nietzsche under his pillow. It was the heart of the Nazi system. The communists in Russia, listen to this my friend, and in China, were ardent atheists, ardent evolutionists. And I believe this caused the greatest deaths in the history of the human race, the greatest wars in history, Paul Pot was an atheist, no God, no purpose, no meaning. If God is destroyed, then man also is destroyed and it seems to me that in America and in Australia and in other parts of the world today, people have lost hope and they've lost purpose in living. Could you comment on that?
1: Well, I think this, that's a very powerful statement that's there.
0: I wrote it. Well, <laughs> it's very powerful, but it's, it's,
1: it's absolutely true in my opinion. That is why, you know, I'm personally troubled by the theory of evolution. Me too. Because if if life's origin and life's history can be explained exclusively through evolutionary means, there's no need for God. And as you point out, when there's no need for God, then what are human beings? We're just simply the product of evolutionary processes. We don't have any meaning. We're no different than any other creature on this planet. We're just simply an ephemeral entity. Or that. just
0: another animal no better than a frog.
1: Th- that's exactly right. And that's right. what
0: people say, you know, we're no better than a frog.
1: Well, and there's this whole idea of speciesism now today, yes, where yes. to think that human beings are somehow special is, is an, ass- an affront to many people. How could you, they would say, make human beings special versus these other creatures? We're no better, we're no worse. Well, that just undermines, as you say, any kind of idea that there's purpose in life. It undermines human dignity Anything is permissible in that kind of a framework, and uh, I think it's it's a it's a horrendously frightening idea. Yes, it is. You know that has you know profound implications. Ideas have really con- real consequences.
0: I'm sure you're aware of this. When Darwin put out his idea of evolution, it wasn't science. He he was groping in the darkness, and the people like Huxley who accepted his ideas did so not on the basis of science, but on the basis of what they wanted to believe.
1: Yeah, well, Richard Dawkins once said, Darwinism allows me to be an intellectually satisfied atheist.
0: Yes, yeah. And,
1: and, and so it's as if Darwinism is co-opted to fuel mm. this rejection of belief in God. Why? Because if evolution can explain it, then you don't need God. Mm. And, and this is why I think it's so important for people to realize that the case for evolution is not strong scientifically. No, it's
0: not a scientific idea. That the origin of life Mm.
1: looks to be miraculous, that when you look at the history of life on Earth, it looks as if there are places where evolution just simply can't account for what's happening in the history of life, that you have to have uh, divine input, that there has to be a creator that is intervening And if if that's the case, then it's easy for me to believe that a creator is intervening in my own personal life. On the basis of the evidence. On the basis of the evidence. This Uh, is not wishful thinking. No. This is is based on the evidence. Uh,
0: Dawkins said during a debate with uh, Dr. John Lennox from Oxford University, he said, you Christians have got faith. We've got the evidence on our side. you just got faith. What he doesn't understand is this, that our faith is built upon evidence. I don't believe in God because I just want to believe in God. Neither do you. I do not believe in Genesis just because I feel like I want to believe in Genesis. I believe in it because I believe the evidence supports it. And we believe in an intelligent faith that is based upon truth. Was Lucy our ancestor, doctor? Who were the
1: hominids? Well, the way I like to think about them as a Christian is that these were creatures that were made by God, that they had intelligence, they had mm. emotional capability, uh, but they didn't have the image of God. They no. didn't have; they weren't spiritual beings. That is a category reserved exclusively yes. for human Man beings. Man is
0: made in the image of God,
1: and the the and that's how I think of them. I think of them in the same vein as I think of the great apes—chimpanzees, yes. orangutans, and yes. gorillas. Fascinating creatures, of course, remarkable creatures, but there's clearly a difference between an ape and a human, and I think that difference is primarily the fact that we bear God's image.
0: Apes don't go to church. They don't. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a reason for this.
1: But what's interesting is that when you look at the behavior of the hominids, so many people look at that behavior as, as, as being kind of an antecedent to what's happening with modern humans. They see this in evolutionary terms. But the fact of the matter is the more that we learn about their behavior, the creatures like Neanderthals and yes. Homo erectus, yes. the more that we mm. see that their behavior really is, is categorically like that of the great apes. It's not uh, behavior that in any way, I think, connects them to humans in an evolutionary sense. Let
0: me read you a statement, and then I want you to comment. Professor Leakey, who discovered Lucy, he says, or he said, impressed about man's ancestry, I would have to say that all we have is a huge question mark. To date, there has been nothing found to truthfully purport as a transitional species to man, including Lucy. If further pressed, I would have to state that there is more evidence to suggest suggest an abrupt arrival of man rather than a gradual process of evolution.
1: You know, this is really, I think, an important point. So oftentimes, when people think of the hominid fossil record, they think Mm. of Lucy, which is about a 40% complete skeleton. Or they think of the Turkana boy, which is almost 100% complete skeleton. Those are highly unusual, rare finds. Most of the hominid fossils are partial skulls, teeth, jawbones. Then oftentimes, they're damaged and they're deformed. And, and nobody knows how many species existed of the hominids. Nobody knows how the hominids would have been connected to each other in evolutionary terms. Most of the hominids that people traditionally think of as part of the ascent of man, Lucy and mm. the handyman and the Peking man and Neanderthals, are acknowledged by evolutionary biologists to be dead ends inside branches. Nobody knows the pathway from some kind of alleged ancestor to modern humans. The, the, the area is in, of, of research in anthropology is in total chaos. Yes, it is. Every time there's a new find, it always rewrites human evolution. Well, mm-hmm. that tells me that nothing in, in, in that whole area is
0: scientifically, scientifically no, no, concerned. conserved. No. It's wishful thinking. It, yeah. It's a religion. Yes. And all religions have their, uh, s- well, most religions have some crazy ideas that are built upon faith and supposition and wishful thinking. It is true with those who believe in evolution. We say this with courtesy, Christian courtesy. Darwin taught that the geological column was the ultimate proof of evolution. He says you can see it in the rocks. Are there missing links? Are there transitional species? You know, this is
1: something that's interesting because when Darwin wrote Origins of Species, he had a couple of chapters devoted to potential problems with his theory. Yes. And one of them was the fossil record. In Darwin's day, the fossil record didn't show gradual evolutionary change. Mm. It showed sudden appearances of groups followed by no change or stasis. And Darwin thought, well, give us more time, we'll collect more fossils, and these missing links will be filled in. The fact of the matter is that that's not the case. That's not the case. The same patterns uh, that Darwin saw in the fossil record are the same patterns that we recognize today.
0: No transitions.
1: Very few, if anything, that could be considered even a transition. And when innovation happens in the history of life, it happens explosively. The, the Queen Mother, of all examples, would be the Cambrian Explosion, where uh, when animals first appear on the planet, they appear explosively in a geological instant. Uh, and, and there's a, a, a radiation for mammals. There's a radiation for birds. In fact, a couple of bird radiations. There's radiations for reptiles and amphibians and for fish. Every time innovation happens, it happens explosively. And that, to me, is exactly what I would expect the geological column to look like if God is involved in creating, is that things suddenly would appear in, in their full range of diversity. And that's what we see in the fossil record.
0: Tell me this, because our program is coming to a close. You believe in Christ. I sure do. You believe in the Bible. I sure do. Do you believe that a person, ordinary person like me... And the people watching a television program, do you believe that ordinary people can have a relationship with God?
1: Of course. Yeah, I, I most certainly believe that. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, and I'm so grateful for His life, death, and His re- resurrection, because that's the means by which I have salvation.
0: And you're a scientist? I'm a scientist. And you believe in God? I believe in God. And you don't believe in evolution?
1: I'm very skeptical of the evolutionary paradigm.
0: But you do believe in the text in the Bible that says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth.
1: I not only believe it, but I think there's scientific evidence that supports the idea that the universe had a beginning. And
0: and you also believe the text that says, God said, let us make man in our own image.
1: Yeah, I I believe that, that we were special creations in God's image to Mm. be in a relationship with Him. And even though we messed that up in the Mm. fall that god has gone through great lengths to restore that relationship to the person of christ and i think there's powerful scientific evidence that supports belief in god and mankind's special status
0: and at this stage in the program i can say amen Uh, you've been watching dr fazrana from reasons to believe we believe that god made us and we came from the hand of god please write to me john carter post office box 1900 thousand oaks california In Australia, you can write to me at the address on the screen at Terrigal. Also, remember this, God made you, Christ died for you, God loves you. And until next time, God bless you and thank you for watching this program today.